the Sun Sessions. Now, there's so much being made out of the Sun Studios and everything. Even before the untimely death of Elvis Presley, uh, people were pointing to that unusual sound they got. And I think probably many of your fans were not aware that Ubi Doobie and Rock House and other items that you did uh, were recorded there and that you were one of the first artists on the Sun label. Yes, uh, I think uh, just after Elvis, uh, uh, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, then myself, in that order, we signed. Um, and we, we were recording and trying to get a career going. Elvis had been recording for oh, some. Yeah. Uh, um, I think he was the only uh, rockabilly, if that's what sure. they were calling us. Uh, but he was touring locally in uh, Texas and Arkansas and, and uh, uh, Louisiana and uh, doing a show in Dallas. In fact, I was at the university and I should have been writing and singing. And uh, they said this, uh, all I had to do on Saturday night, I was getting 60 bucks a week at, uh, from home. Right. And uh, trying to make a week, did I say, per month. Per month. Per month. Sounds for, like my army days. For university. <laughs> and uh, on Saturday night, we listened to the Big D Jamboree. Mm -hmm. And they said a fellow just pulled up in a pink Cadillac. And I couldn't imagine such a thing. I didn't have a car. I walked everywhere I went. Couldn't even ride the bus. A Cadillac, and it was pink. And this fellow steps out on stage and sings a few songs. And the girls go crazy. And I'm a guitar player from, like, when I was six years old. There's a very strange sound on this guitar, and I can't figure it out. So it's, it was all very intriguing. And uh, I found out later, after I was with Sun Records, as I cut my first session, I asked Sam, why did he let Elvis go? Elvis had just left uh, and had broken nationally right. in January of 56. And uh, I came along in uh, February, March. And he said, well, for Carl Perkins and $40,000. <laughs> Good answer. And uh, I said, well, I couldn't understand that really because Elvis had sold a million albums and then each single had sold a million. But anyway, he had sold Elvis Presley, and uh, then Johnny and Elvis and all of these guys had Charlie come. Rich, too, and yourself. Yeah. Well, these guys had come to tour in West Texas before they made it big. And uh, I first saw Elvis Presley. Uh, this all has to do with the Sun thing, because uh -huh. it drew us two Sun records. I first saw Elvis play to 600 people in Odessa, Texas, <laughs> because everybody went to Abilene for a football game. They rented a train and everybody left. So uh, anyway, I was talking to Johnny Cash at one of the shows. I had a couple of local television shows. Oh, I didn't know that, Roy. And uh, KMID in Midland, Texas, and then 20 miles away, KOSA in Odessa, Texas. One on Friday, one on Saturday. But when people would come to play the Odessa Coliseum, they would come on my show my local show and sing a song or at least say we're going to be at the Coliseum and I also got to play on those shows as well as an act so in talking to Johnny I said uh, uh, how would I get a recording contract I knew I could get one I, you know I was uh, a little brassy in those days right. and uh, he said well just call Sam and tell him I told, told you to call Sam Phillips and Sun Records so uh, I also asked Luther Perkins at the same time 
how did Scotty Moore get such a sound on his guitar? And he said, well, he has an echo machine in the bottom of it. Wow. And I said, fantastic. So anyway, after I got with Son, Carl Perkins and I were coming through Cairo, or Cairo, Illinois, and that's where they make, where this fellow made these machines. And I had $700 with me, the only 700 that I'd made so far. And uh, that's the price of them. And uh, he said, I have one finished. I said, I'll take that. And I took it. And Carl said, well, I want one, too. And he, so he got his later. But anyway, the thing was that uh, I called Sam Phillips, said, uh, Johnny Cash told me to call, and I might get a recording contract. And he said, Johnny Cash doesn't run my record company. Click. Ooh. And that was it. Brutal. But anyway, through Norman Petty, after I'd cut Ubi Doobie and sent it, Sam called me, got in touch with me, and said, can you be here in three days? So that started my son's career. Now, how many sides, or how long were you under contract to some? Was it a year, a year and a half? What was it? Can you remember, right? It was a two-year contract, and uh, I recorded, uh, uh, the first record was Ubi Doobie, the second record was... Uh, uh, sweet, uh, uh, sweet and easy to love, and uh, that was about it. I think I did uh, "You're My Baby," which Johnny Cash wrote, and then everything else on, on the label was uh, we would be on the road, and I would write a song, and we'd stop by. We sort of lived in Memphis at a hotel there, and we'd stop by the studio during the day and have somebody turn on the machine and record. Right. It was a two-track machine, and the Big Sun sound was only because of the advent of Echo. Ah, interesting. On, only because. That's the only difference. Isn't that fascinating? Well, Roy, what happened after these songs, which were um, moderate successes for you? I say that because the, when, you, when you play them now, even 10 years ago, and you reflect on what Roy Orbison became about 61, now, you went through a phase where you left Sun, you went to RCA. I remember a recording called Sweet and Innocent on RCA. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I remember uh, doing the two records for RCA, and then Chet told me that he didn't have the power that he needed to push through what he wanted to at the time. As far as promotion. Promotion goes, and uh, he was uh, not where he wanted to be with the company. And uh, he suggested that I find somebody who could really do a job for me because he saw something in me that was about to happen. But Sweet and Innocent, <clears throat> what I was getting at there, even though it was, um, you know, not that great a hit for you at the time, that was the osmosis period when you went from the rock house and the uh, Ubi Doobie into, uh, you know, you can see what is happening to Roy Orbison. How did that come about where they decided that maybe you weren't like the rest of the rockers? I think it was because uh, in that period, Chet was uh, such a uh, kind man mm -hmm. and a loving, gentle person. Uh, and still is, that he allowed me to do a few things that I wanted to. And it was the first time, see, with Sam Phillips, I would say, please do not release this. I said, I only came in to put it down to see if it would make a record. And right. it didn't make a record, so don't release it. But he released it anyway. So I left. And he, again, was the opposite. Chet would say, what do you think of this song? And he would play me a song. Mm -hmm. I said, well, really not for me. And then he'd play another one, you know. And so I got to select material that I liked. So made a difference. It made a difference, and I think the whole thing is that with any artist, if he has something to offer, and he knows what it is, that if he's given the freedom to do that, the freedom to create what he wants to create, then I think he's the, that he has it made. I'm talking about uh, painters, writers, That's whatever. Right. Any time that you have to, as a journalist or a, or a, 
uh, an interviewer or whatever, if you're as assigned a task, uh, it's just another task. But right. if you if you get to do something you really want to do, then it becomes something. You know, there's a little spark there. Yeah. So the the changeover to what the public knows now as Roy Orbison came in '59 when I met Fred Foster. Uh, I was late for a session. Uh, Wesley Rose called me, my manager, and called me and said, uh, "Come and meet Mr. Foster of Monument Records." Of course, he was a legend. And uh, so I said, "Okay, I'll come and meet him." And when I got there, they said, "You're late for your session." So I said, "No, I, I you know, I came to talk." And they said, "No, your session's going on now." So I raced over to RCA Victor, to the little studio, and uh, ran in and recorded, right quick. And uh, we met afterwards, and then we stopped that record, and uh, I went back to West Texas and I wrote a song called "Uptown." Oh, that was the breakthrough. And the breakthrough came, and uh, all I wanted from Fred was, uh, he said, "What do you want on this?" I said, "Well, I want strings." And he said, well, where are we going to get strings? <laughs> and in Nashville. I said, what about the symphony? He said, well, it's not completely formed yet. So we got three players from the symphony. And we got two teachers and one student. Ah. So we cut Uptown and then Only the Lonely with that same bunch. The rhythm group and the, those six string players. What a magic formula it was, so, though, Roy. Well, it was magic. And it was, uh, it was uh, uh, material that I had written that had built-in arrangements that I had rehearsed. I knew them backwards and forwards. Uh, I knew what the musicians should play. Uh, Nita Kerr arranged the string parts so as not to get in the way of what I was doing, uh, as opposed to other arrangers who, you know, right. go all over the place. And uh, from 60 to 61, right. when we got to the point of running scared, seeing the Sundays, Ubi Doobie sold like 300,000, the next record 30,000, the next record zip. Right. <laughs> uh, and then with Monument, the first big record on the lawn, they sold two million. Yeah. And then Blue Angel sold a million. And then I'm hurting, sold about 600,000. I said, oh, oh, here we go again, only a larger scale. Then? Then came Running Scared. And at the session, I was trying to hit this note at the end of the thing. We had 30 musicians in this little studio. And they said, We've we're going to lose the record if you can't let us hear that last series of notes. I said, well, turn on the machine. So uh, as they turned the machine on, why, I had to sing above all of these people. And uh, all of a sudden, I don't know whether I was embarrassed into it, uh, but these people who were playing on the sessions were legends to me. And uh, so I said, uh, I'll just give it all I've got. And I gave it all I had and uh, hit the old high A real solid like, and uh, I remember the musicians looking around and still carrying on playing, and we got the take, and uh, it went back to number one, sold a couple of million, so I was off and running. 